Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a very proud grandfather. And along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've already achieved and of living a fulfilled life by continuing to make a positive difference in the world. I invite you to join me to listen in on the Everyday Millionaire podcast as I interview and have conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some pretty extraordinary results, whether it be in their life, in their business, in real estate. And it's here where I'm going to delve into the details of their journey, along with the paths they've traveled to get where they are today, and as importantly, where they intend to go in the future. My guests are here to inspire. They're here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them, both in their wins and in their challenges, from the life and the lifestyle they live to the person they had to become along the way in creating and building their financial futures for themselves and their families. Before I begin this episode, I'll start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to ask you to please continue to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N Canada.com. And if you're inclined, please share this podcast with your friends, or your family, and with people you know, or perhaps even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow me on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide us. It's definitely appreciated. Okay, let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Derek Lobo, who is an old friend and has been on the rain stage many times over the years. He is the founder and CEO of SVN Canada. SVN Rock Advisors, Inc., and the Derek Lobo and Associates, Inc. For more than 30 years, Derek has worked extensively in the apartment and student housing industry across Canada and the United States, advising clients on all aspects of apartment ownership and development, ranging from feasibility analysis, financial modeling, design and construction, asset management and leasing, all the way to dispositions and brokerage. Derek specializes in large and complex asset sales and has brokered transactions, some of the largest in Canada. He continues to be regarded as a knowledgeable expert in the areas of new apartment construction and luxury, student housing, and has been intimately involved in the many developments across Canada. Join me today as Derek and I talk real estate, economy, and what it takes to live in that multifamily investment world. Listen in. Derek Lobo, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. So great to catch up to you. It's been a number of years, but uh, how are you, man? Patrick, I'm, I'm glad to be here. We are getting through this, you know, this period of time. So I, I think just, just a happy camper overall. Feeling a little bit of cabin fever. How about you? Yeah, I'm a little cabin fever too. I got great outdoor spaces because of where I live, but yeah. it's still, you know, it's just a little weird for sure. And I have traveled. I've been to Montreal, been to into Ontario, back and forth to Alberta, see my daughter and grandkids with Stephanie, my wife. So it's cool. But, you know, I, I, I jumped on a plane also. 
Yeah. Uh, last week, last week for the first time, it was a little surreal flying, but but it was it was fine. Yeah. Were you WestJet or Air Canada? Uh, I went on Air Canada. I just flew to Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a interesting short trip, there. Yeah, they're, between the two, they have a little bit different uh, view of the world. It's uh, their rules are different, which is just odd for me. Where's the consistency? Okay. So, hey, Derek. So let's talk about first off, Derek. Let's give listeners a view of who you are, what you do. So tell me a little bit about what you do. What's your what is the business that you're in, and what have you been doing? Because you've been in the industry in the world of real estate for many, many years. When people are asking you what you do, what do you do? What do you say? Yeah, you know, so I, I, I guess I'm, I'm probably 33, 34 years in the business. Yeah. Um, I am a commercial real estate broker. Uh, we specialize in just apartments, student housing, and land related to those issues. We sell other asset classes, you know, that, that come with portfolios and things like that. But, but I'm an apartment schlub. That's what we do is apartments. Um, and we have about 20 staff. Interestingly enough, the majority of our staff are not brokers. They're researchers. So we have a, a large research department. About 10 of our 20 people work in the research department and our data department. And we do feasibility studies for new apartment construction. That would be our forte in the country. We do more than anybody else in this niche but growing sector, right? And so your listeners should think about this. You know, right now in a really strange economy, what's the one asset class that's really held up well? Apartments. Everybody needs a place to live, right? So, so, so we do feasibility studies for apartments. We do apartment brokerage and consulting, you know, just, just, just in that sector, as well as we do lease-ups of newly constructed apartments and distressed assets and things like that. And, and, and been doing it a while. And, and the business, like, you know, any business, the best ideas for growing your business come from your clients, not from you. Mm, you know? Isn't that the and truth? To, sure. Right, right. So you keep asking your clients, sort of what keeps you awake at night, right? Like, for example, I used to, I, I was a trainer, you know, by nature, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, a speaker guy and things like that. And, and I was training all over Canada and the U.S., teaching people about how to lease apartments, how to reposition their building. And one day, one of my clients said, you know, Derek, instead of just talking about it, why don't you come and do it for me? Because you come in here now three times and done seminars and, you know, my staff, a key staff person quit. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. Just come and do it. And so that's when I got the idea to say, okay, let me go and do it do performance consulting. So not only will we train your staff, we'll do your marketing, we'll do everything we can to get your building full and you only pay us. Our motto was, if we don't rent, you don't pay, right? Mm. And people love that motto, right? So, so I guess, and, and then later on, a client said to me, you know, you know my building so well, I'm going to give it to a broker who doesn't understand me or the building at all. Why don't you become a broker? So the idea for me to become a broker came from my client, right? And so just so what I'm saying is if you can have a deep conversation with your clients. And, and like, it sounds a little cliche, right? It really does. Because you can't have a deep conversation with someone till they trust you. Mm-hmm. And they can't trust you till you've actually done work for them, mm-hmm. right? So Soft a lot of times case. I kind of, yeah. yeah, I kind of joke with our staff and say, when we go into your house, it's like we go into the bedroom and move the furniture around, right? Well, you can't do that the first time you go to someone's house, right? So, so, so just continue talking to your client. And from that, a series of services will evolve. And each one is a higher level service with probably a higher profit margin. Okay. But, but you got to understand your guy, especially when you're talking like in our business is brokerage, right? And mainly we sell apartment buildings from second and third generation people to institutions, right? Well, you can't really have a relationship with the, with the pension fund. Okay. You can't, they're not, I mean, you can, you can know the guy, but you go back a year later, he's now an industrial or he's moved on to, they transferred him to somewhere else. So all those years of building a relationship with someone, now there's a new guy and you kind of start all over again. With the, I, I use the term beneficial apartment owner, 
with the beneficial apartment owner, he's not going anywhere. What you need to know is get to know his children. And then maybe his grandchildren, if you know, if he's staying business long enough, right? Well, the, this goes back to you know a Stephen Covey quote, which is really, really great, and I remind myself of it often. It, I have to, uh, which is seek first to understand, and then to be understood. Right? You know, it's interesting. You know, just as a point of entry into a conversation, because you brought it up in terms of the legacy that many want to leave in real estate. They're you know they're this for their children, it's for their children, it's for their children. And how often have you come across where? You know, you've got these buildings because you deal with pretty big buildings as well. I mean, you're not just into that eight and 12 suite stuff. You're into hundreds of suites. And the next thing you know, somebody's uh, family, you know, their dad leaves them, you know, in this and the kids go, I don't want this piece of crap. I'm not want nothing to do with real estate. Get me out of here. How often do you see that? Because the reason reason I bring it up, Derek, is because so many people live, I think, into an illusion that this is for their children and, you know, and their kids go, no, I don't want anything to do with it. Gas it. Uh, Patrick, you have just read my mail. Okay. Because right now we're writing a book on commercial real estate families and the intergenerational transfer of wealth. It's funny. I can't believe you said this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's a project where, you know, it's, so we're writing this book on the topic and I'm interviewing my clients, but I'm bringing my 30 odd years of experiences. So let, 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 let me at a high level, tell you what happens. Okay. Because you kind of think to yourself, wait a minute, the old man came over, usually from Europe, yep. okay? Yep. He didn't have two sticks rubbed together. And all of a sudden, he builds this fortune in real estate, okay? And remember, if you run an operating business and your kid's screwed up, it goes bankrupt. You can't screw up an apartment building. Mm-hmm. It just works. Mm-hmm. It just works. <clears throat> so you say, okay, so how did the old man, who was a brilliant, hardworking guy, how did he leave such a mess? Like, how do you say, well, the reason is this, he never thought it would grow this big. You see my True. point? Yeah, totally. So, so he never <laughs> thought it would grow this big. And so now all of a sudden he's got, you know, a $5 million real estate portfolio. And the next time you look at it, it's $50 million. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And all of a sudden, and you know, you've got four apartment buildings and six children. You can't divide that up equally, right? And so I, I say this almost tongue in cheek, but if you've got $100 million, the best thing to leave your children would be $100 million worth of Royal Bank stock. Yeah. It's liquid. Yeah. Apartment buildings are not fungible like, like gold is, and they're not liquid. So you really need to start thinking about the next generation much earlier than you think. Right. And having the conversations. And lots of times the kids are, you know, they've watched their dad or their parents work on this real estate portfolio and deal with all of the issues that they've dealt with. And they're left with a little bit of a often they're left with a little bit of a sour taste. They're going this thing is like bad news. I don't want yeah. to do what my dad did. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to do what mom and dad and sure. go through what they went through, right? Sure. Sure. And that's sure. often the stories that are happening. So we see it right across the country with you know the, the, the rain community overall. We often see this happening. What, what's cool about it is it presents buying opportunities. And uh, that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, but, but again, I, I think you're really just, just hitting it where it needs to be hit. So in the apartment business, it's a bit of a problem, but at least you can third-party manage it out. Sure, the kids can live on the cash flow. But if one, but if one child manages the properties, then maybe he's giving the job to his son and not to the other guy's son. So it creates problems, right? Yep. So, so the best idea is for the for for the founder, right, to lead clear instructions of what he wants the family to do. But he can't tie their hands together because the world's going to change. So you can't say you should never sell your real estate, or you can't say you've got to hold for fifty years. Who knows what's going to happen, right? So, so, so you've got to make your, your wishes. I call it, I call it like, like the founder's wishes letters, right? You got a good relationship. You say, this is what I really want to happen. 
try and make it happen. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, right? But at least apartment buildings, you can give to a third-party manager, right? And he can manage it for cash flow, right? Not as well as the founder would have managed it, but he's doing it. It's where you have a development business where, you know, it takes real, real, real skill to run a development company. It does. And now you want your children to get into that business. Well, they may not want to get in that business. Let's say you've got three children. One is very environmentally conscious. Well, great. Let them go out and learn to build great green buildings. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. One's got a good finance mind. Great. Let him be the chief financial officer, right? One might be great at property management. Let me be the the vice president of property management, but maybe you've got to go hire a president for the company. Maybe you need a board of governors overseeing that, right? Where there's the, where there's the, the, the bloodline connection, right? That gives overall direction to it, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then, you know, the, 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 the employees of the company or some of the children of the company, you know, are now executing, you know, on those wishes. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. But it, I, I'm so glad that we actually kind of got into this conversation because we see it often. And it's just for listeners, it, you know, wherever you're at in your journey and some, you know, many listeners are, are very accomplished. Some have got some goals and all the rest of it. But this is part of a planning that gets overstepped often. And, and you know, it, you know, it's the time to plan is not at 85 years old. You know, the, tar- the time to it plan is much younger so that you do have a, a transition plan and an exit strategy that makes sense for yes. your family and yeah. makes sense for you yeah. and and reaching out because it does take time to develop the relationships you need to execute on that transition plan. But, you know, it, it, it's for sure it's going to take a long time. This is not you go to your lawyer and he writes up a will. Yeah. Okay, This is years and years of things. But let me give you some examples of things that the first generation, like we all know what they do well. They're brave, courageous, hardworking people, all that stuff, right? And you need all that stuff the way they get to. Sure. But one of the things is, let's say the old, and I say the old man because it usually is that, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? Let's, and, and most of them actually keep working until they die. Okay? And that's a common trait, sure. which is, uh, uh, to me, and to me, that's a noble trait. I get that. I think that's how I'm going to be. Yep. Fair enough? Yep. So let's say the guy dies at age 84, okay? Or 88, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, because they work so hard, they actually stay in reasonable shape. They're always in buildings going in and always out. Always moving, right? yep. Right, right, right. So now his children may be 60, right? And he hasn't let them make any decisions till they're 60, right? So it's important that you give your, your you know, the generations behind you decision-making ability from a relatively young age so that when they do come time to take over, that they actually can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting problem that people don't think of. Right. It is. Uh, you know, I love this conversation because it's so relevant given the industry and, and, and the wealth that gets created and all the stuff that happens in real estate. You know, I remember your, my mom is now 92 years old. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. 62. My mom's 92 and very healthy, very with it. Like she's still bright all the way. But I remember years ago, she says, uh, you know, I'm your dad and I are putting our will together. You know, is there something that you want? Like, is there like we have four kids? Is there something that you want? And I go, mom, by the time you go, there's going to be nothing you have that I want. Yeah. And uh, I think you should spend all your money before you go because I'm not going to need any of it. So, yeah. he, you know, and uh, but that's uh, that's the point, right, is that we so many people make the mistake of living into an illusion that their kids are going to be 12 years old forever. You're going to live to 90. Your your adult children are going to go, you know, I'm an accomplished whatever, career, doctor, lawyer, entrepreneur. I don't need your dough, but, you know, thank you very much, well, generally. You know, it, yeah, if there's time to talk about a little <laughs> bit later on, I'd love to talk about, you know, 
uh, raising children. You have children, I have children. And it's been, you know, that, that, that has probably been probably the most extraordinary part of my life, right? You know, mm-hmm. raising, you know, raising ra- ra- children. But, but these intergenerational families, let's just say that this is a complex issue. Yeah. There's n- no one size fits all. Every family is different. Yeah. Look at what your children's natural talents are in real estate, hopefully, yeah. right? And, and, and guide them towards that in your business. But they do not want to slip into your shoes. Exactly. Yes. Now, if they do, great. If they do, great. Okay. Right. So, so Derek, I mean, you know, you you know that which you speak. I mean, you, this isn't some. You've been doing this for many, many years. I mean, you've been on the rain stage a number of times as we've you know done our multifamily yep. investing mm-hmm. stuff. And you're you're a great speaker, great teacher, but you're also very, very experienced. I mean, you've done like thousands of units over the years. Give me a little bit of an idea of what you know. What just for this is just more to give people the scope of what you're doing, like in terms of what you got on your plate, yeah, the kind yeah, of deals yeah. you've done, that kind of stuff. Sure, 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 sure. You know, um, uh, so so uh, my goal is to do the biggest deals in Canada. That, that's, why, that's why I get up every morning and say, that's why I'm doing the biggest deal in Canada. And we've been lucky to do three of the largest deals in the country in, in these areas. So we did the largest uh, new apartment construction deal in Canadian history. At the time, 2011, we did a $250 million transaction. Mm-hmm. And that closed in 2017. We, we closed the largest single complex in 2011, the Cherry Hill Complex in London. That was $200, $215 million. And recently, we were part of the team that, that sold the uh, most expensive building in Canada uh, at $577,000 per unit. So, wow. so we've been lucky and fortunate. you know, um, and, and all those deals... Took five years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of them took longer, right? And so if you really want to swing and hit it out of the park, and hey, if you want to do that, go for it, right? But 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 you know, you're gonna strike out many times. So that's the first thing I'm gonna tell you in the brokerage business. <clears throat> you're gonna strike out many, many times. And uh, you know, I've got a funny rule that on the day a commission check comes in, I don't celebrate. I don't I don't tell my wife I don't go to dinner because if you do, then on the day it doesn't come in, you're really unhappy, right? So you can see life going up and down like this based on your commission check. And that's why I think a, a lot of brokers are kind of unhappy campers, right? I think if you, if you kind of smoothen it out, there's still going to be ups and downs. It's life, right? But if you, if you don't really go crazy when, you know, when things go well, you don't go crazy when things go bad, you're kind of smoothing the things out. So I hope that on the day that we close a big deal or the day that a big deal blows up because they found an oil tank on the site, you couldn't see it in me. I'm not sure that's fully true. Right, yeah. but, but but you shouldn't be able to because that that that's not what we're really, you know, about, right? And then life a, can be very up and down. Though. You know, you 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 actually speak to a philosophy that my wife Stephanie and I have learned to live over the years, and 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 that came from her. She works with Olympic athletes, and so I mean, when you've just stood on the podium and received a gold medal, silver medal at the Olympics, your highs are very very high, and and we both are of the philosophy that. You know, we are uh, humbly happy to have the wins that we have, but our highs are never extremely high and our lows are never extremely low. And, uh, you know, it's just a really great way way to manage energy. So I love that philosophy. I, I totally align with that thought process, you know, because lows can get bit really low if you've just come off a really high high. You know, never believe your press clippings. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, Humility, and, and uh, I'm not the most humble guy in the world, but uh, uh, neither neither you. That's why we're on this show here, <laughs> exactly. because we love to talk. <laughs> but, 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 but humility is, uh, is is a beautiful characteristic that I like yeah. to see in people. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, and so on. So yeah, 
all all good in what we've talked about so far. This is a lot of fun. So you've 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 been you've been done exceptionally well in your business and your career. And but I, I'm curious about with your because I know where I want to go with a part of this conversation. But tell me, you've got uh, ten people on your team that do research. Now, when you talk about research, what kind of research are you doing? Is it is it research into buildings? You're looking for deals. You're looking for opportunities, or is it economic research, or is it all of the above? Tell me about your research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the bulk of it, and it changes depending on the type of economy you've got. It's changing right now, but but I would say for the last probably eight to ten years, we've been doing feasibility studies for new apartment construction. Mm-hmm. That, that's our forte. We've done it longer than anybody else. Where and we do more than anybody else, but that's still a burgeoning industry. So we answer five questions: Should you build? What should you build? How much can you charge? What's the depth of the market? And how much money will you make if you build it and sell it? Those are the five questions we answer. And we work directly for the developer. Okay? Yeah. It's got to be for the guy who's going to put his name on the, more, on the covenant of the mortgage. Right. Fair enough? Yeah, yeah. And he's key. And, and, and so we, we do that report. They're typically, six to eight weeks to do their, their substantial reports because most people are going to build a, I'd say our average deal size is probably $50 million. So they're going to build a $50 million deal or at least give it the green light to go to the next level, mm-hmm. right? So, so what we say to developers is, look, if it's a no, we've done 800 of these across Canada, I think, right? Uh, we'll give you a fast free no. So if you want to build a high-rise, 20-story building with six levels of underground parking in suburban Laval, outside of Montreal, the answer is no, it's not going to work, okay? Because you can't afford to build that in suburban Laval or, or, or wherever, right? So we'll give you a quick free no, and I think that's one of the best things we can do for you, okay? If we think it's a yes, we we go ahead and do the research to answer those those five questions. So that's the bulk of what our research group does. But as we do that, you know, you start gaining significant amortized knowledge, right? And so so every deal you do makes you a little smarter, makes your staff a little bit smarter, right? So that that's what we do in the new construction side. In the for the last you know eight ten years, the, the market's been so strong that you just had to be in the business. A rising tide lifts all what lifts sure. all boats, right? That may not be the case going forward. And we are here at end of July, you know, 2020, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of owners, and, and we're, we are, but the apartment sector is by far the safest asset class to be in compared to, you know, anything else. We don't need to talk about that. It's kind of obvious, right? But, but, but you know what? We're going to go through a blip here or we're going to go through something for the apartment sector. It's like the pig going to the python kind of thing, right? Something's going on right now in the marketplace. So the, a lot of owners are coming to us right now and saying, listen, vacancies have doubled. So they've gone from 0.4 to 0.8%. Big deal, right? But what if this thing gets worse? We're helping people right now button down the hatches. Fair enough? Mm-hmm. So we're doing training, we're doing marketing, we're doing building preparedness in case this thing runs out and becomes and becomes nasty. Um, look, you're still in the safest sector, right? To go in and to, and to be into. You're going to be fine, but you want to do better than everybody else. Um, the, the, so far, and we're only you know a few months into this, there are no real acquisition opportunities. Every conversation I have, the guy says, now, now Derek, I've, I'm keeping my powder dry. Bring me some deals. There are no deals at this time. Fair enough. You know, in, okay, in but let's, let's talk about that. You know, so let's talk about a couple things. But why are there no deals right now? Because apartment values have gone up so much mm-hmm. that even if they drop 10 or 20%, the guy's head is still above water. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. The only time there are going to be deals in the apartment sector is if the guy got in trouble in another business and he then needs to liquidate his good assets. Fair enough. It's kind of like, you know, when the stock market tanks, why does the price of gold go down? It shouldn't. It should go the other way. But the guy has to free up some money so he sells his gold to cover his short positions, you know, mar- things like that. Margin you get the point? Yep. <clears throat> right. right. So, so I think 
that there really are no deals in the apartment sector. I've been through, Patrick, I've been through 17 recessions, which is kind of hard to believe because we're the same age. But it's because I moved around, right? So I've been through, I think, three good-sized recessions in my life, right? You know? Um, but, But because, and I've been in Alberta, I've been in Newfoundland, I've been in Texas, I've been in Yellowknife when the gold mine shut down. So I've been through actually 17 recessions or some number like that. Right? Sure. And, uh, and, and so, so, so there are localized deals, right? Um, I, I would make the following general rules about the deals because everyone's hoping there's going to be deals, right? I'm not sure there are going to be, but if there are, I would say if you're an out-of-town buyer, leave the hairy deal to the local guy. Fair enough? Yeah, for so if sure. all of a sudden, yeah. yeah, somebody sells off some quirky school building you want to convert to a condo and you're living at the other end of the country, do not do that deal. Yeah. Okay. There, there's a local guy. The further, you, the further away you get from the deal, the simpler and more straightforward and the more of a core holding deal it probably should be. Fair enough? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so far in the apartment sector, um, you know, that there, there are no deals. We're selling some large retail properties right now, really large. And uh, you know, the market's changed. The market's changed. So there's going to be a, there's going to be an adjustment for people. Right. But there's also going to be opportunities, you know, with you know within that. So, do you play outside the multi space in terms of multi res? Do you play in? in you brought up commercial. Do you play in that space called commercial? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. no. I, I, absolutely, we do. We probably got you know at this time now probably about three hundred million dollars worth of you know retail, self storage, land, you know, for sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 my expertise. Mm-hmm. We got staff who do that work. Yeah. My expertise and my love. It really it, it, it's the apartment sector, man. That that's that. That's where I'm home. That's the stuff that I live and breathe. You know, it's, it excites me. On holidays, I go look at apartment buildings in whatever city I'm in, right? So, yeah. Well, I love self-storage. I like the, the whole concept and idea behind self-storage. I mean, that's become quite a, uh, you know, that's become quite an industry, uh, you know, onto well, well, itself. Well, self-storage is kind of like apartments, yeah, right? Totally. It's income expenses cap rate. There's just less toilets per acre. Yeah, yeah. Way right? less. That's good news. So, but what do you see? Let's talk a little bit about commercial space. When you look at what's happening in uh, retail space, you know, given what's here, listen, you know, so much has changed in the world over the past, you know, few months alone. And you look at what's, you know, the online business growing and Amazon hitting it out of the park and Shopify and all the things that are going on in that world and retail space, really looking at large retail space. And you look at the, the malls that are happening, what's happening in the malls and how they have to operate. And these things are getting... Uh, expensive, difficult to uh, difficult to do business with, given the rules that you have to play by. So, what? How do you see the future of that's that world in in the commercial space? You know, it's it's not my expertise, but but, yeah. but I certainly am in the real estate sector and look at all the asset classes for the retail that's going to be you know really impacted on this. The non grocery anchored, the non drugstore anchored, and things like that. I think in a lot of cases for well located real estate, you want to look at the underlying land value, right? And, and I think that's, that, that, that may be where the play is for the B-quality real estate or the C-quality retail in an, in an A or a B location, mm-hmm. right? It could, be the underly, it could be the underlying land value. But it, it's, it's going to be an adjustment. I think nobody knows where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, and you know, I think for the first time in, in our lifetimes probably, you really don't know what's going to happen here, right? I mean, the, the other thing that's really surprised me about this is Nobody has really stepped up in the world into a leadership position. I can't name one person, a politician, an economist, a, an entrepreneur that's really stepped up to the plate and said, it's providing direction. I think it's because we don't know. 
Nobody knows. Yeah, I, th- I I agree with you, by the way. And, you know, certainly when it comes to government in terms of politicians, I mean, with what's going on with our, our Canadian government right now, I mean, it's just it's it's frightening. It is frightening. It's the lack of leadership. I'm yes. real. I'm really, you know, right now I'm, I'm kind of in the just middle of being pissed off about this whole we distraction and what, you know, where where we're left with our prime minister and finance minister and, and the, the fact that we've got what we've got going on and we've got this distraction over there when we got a country to run. Of course. And it just, that, those things push my button. But even when the we distraction wasn't there, there just doesn't seem to be leadership. Back to your point, I think we want to talk about economy. I want to talk about economy with you because we're in, I actually do have an opinion of where I think it's going to go. And, and uh, I've, I voice it within the rank community I'm getting clearer and clearer. I've done lots of my own research. We have a research team like you, and we've been doing a lot of stuff. But let's talk about the economy and where we see it going into the future as it affects and impacts real estate, but not just real estate. How do you, What's your kind of view of the world going forward? What do you, what do you see happening? In, and we'll call it in the multifamily space. How do you see things unfolding? Yeah, I'd like to get actually a little more personal than that. I think you kind of start with yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so I think probably the best place to invest is in yourself. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. So, 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 I, I mentioned this to you in the little preamble there that uh, that, that you know I, I was in my in my mid fifties when I had a heart attack, mm-hmm. right? And I had it in the office, right, in front of a client doing a pitch, right? And uh, and and, and uh, Patrick, I finished the pitch, okay? But 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 you know, I, I, get the I, deal I, I, did they do the deal? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we got it done. Yeah, I always remember that client, and I, he always says, "How are you?" And I call him. He really means it. Yeah. So anyway, so, 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 you know, that happened to me and, and I wasn't expecting it. I probably in hindsight should have realized expecting it, but you know, for anyone who's in their fifties, you know, especially men, right. The, you know, there's, there's huge hope for you here because I had a heart attack. I made four videos they are on YouTube, just put Derek Lobo heart attack in. And I made them to, to help people realize that first of all, you don't need to have one, but if you do have one, there's lots of hope. Okay. So, so, you know, so it's anyways, it's, it's another topic, but I think the first place to invest is in yourself, right? And, you know, if you break up your life into many categories, you know, there's there's your physical health, your financial health, your emotional health, your intellectual health, your relationships health, and all those things. And, you know, they're all connected together. So a win anywhere is a win everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So let's say you have a win in your emotional life, right? And, and, may, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit later on too, but a win in your emotional life is a win everywhere, mm-hmm. Right. And so, so the first place I think to invest in yourself, it's not being selfish. The people around you want you around. They want you happy. They want you not worrying, right? And things like that. So number one, invest in yourself. Second, I think would be, for those of you that have children, and, and then I think grandchildren, right? And you have both, for Patrick, right? So, so I would think invest in your children. Mm-hmm. Fair enough? Give them, a, give them a great... I have three daughters. You know, between the three of them, they have eight university degrees. I feel like I should put them up on my wall because I paid for I paid for those or, or I'll pay for them. You should anyway, right. just because this is something to be really proud of. So good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so I think that, you know, but but I don't know if getting three university degrees per child or, you know, almost that is is necessarily the future. In fact, I, I, I think it's probably not the future, mm-hmm. right? But, but we, we can talk about, you know, if, if there's time. And so invest in yourself, invest in your, invest in your children, right? And your spouse so that, you know, look, the people who came over after World War II, right? The Holocaust survivors went through unimaginable, unimaginable things. But what they kept was their intellect. Fair enough? Mm-hmm. These were already smart, sophisticated people, right? 
who then came here with opportunity. First, they faced all kinds of problems, but they had this amazing resilience, but they had intellect, right? That can't be taken away from you, right? So invest in that. I probably spend now, Patrick, more money on courses, programs, books, and, and stuff like that. I mean, courses, right? Um, and just to just let, let's, let, let's put a number on it. I, I would probably be $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I think I would spend on my money. Fair enough. Well, there's a and, and, there's an interesting uh, you know quote that I saw, which which I agree with, which was just, and especially given what's happening right now, which was knowledge is the new currency. In other words, you have to stay on top of what's going, or you're going to find yourself way behind. Right. Doing anything. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know you and, and you practically can't stay on top of what's going on. There's no. just too much to too know. Much. Yeah. But it's the reasoning ability. Mm-hmm. And then I would say it's the relationships that you have. So number one would be invest in, you know, in, in, in yourself, your children, right? Your family. But then I think invest in relationships because look, <laughs> my wife and I were sitting in a restaurant one day, right? And it had one of those, you know, they come and they put the, the, the brown paper on the table and the waiter writes his name on it with a crayon, right? Yeah. So I said to my wife, I'm going to write down every country in Europe and I'm going to write down what the population is of those countries. Fair enough? Sure. So I then spent I spend the, the next five minutes writing down every country in Europe and its population. Why I don't why I know that I don't know. So the waiter comes over and I say to him, Hey waiter, look at what I just did. And he goes, I could Google that right now. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> he didn't need to right? do it anymore. Yeah, no, no, but but th- so so the ability to think now, if you had said to me, now Derek, why do you think this country's population is not growing and this country's is, that would require some reason, right? But yeah. not, not, not just the rote facts and things like that. So oftentimes when I'm talking, I throw out a stat. I see every guy in the room who's like, who's like between 20 and 30 Googling it to see if I'm right. Sure. Right? Yeah. That never happened before. No, you had right? to. So, yeah. so, right, right, right. So I think, I think investment, you know, we, I think the original question, you know, how, how do you kind of, you know, what, what was your initial question? I've forgotten, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we were actually talking about the economy and before yeah, yeah, we yeah, get right. talking into the yeah, economy. Yeah, so I agree yeah. with you. So by the way, so within, you know, within what, you know, I've coached for, you know, been a coach for many, many years. And, and although yeah. I stepped away from it, when we launched the Elite 52 coaching program called yeah. the Champion, part of that was called the Champion's Journey. Now, Rain delivered on this, pro- this, this yeah. coaching program. Now, here's the thing sure. about this. So this does connect. So my statement has always been that real estate doesn't fail us. We fail real estate. Yeah, probably. And, and we, mm-hmm. well, here's why. Because you just brought it up. You know, when I, I break it down, when, and for many years, we broke it down into seven areas of life, which is what you're talking about. So it's the buckets in your life. It's intellectual, emotional, spiritual, financial, vocational, relational, familial. Any time, and, and so to your point, when you have an emotional win, it's, it kind of affects all of those buckets. But when we have a shitty day financially, it doesn't mean that our whole life is blown up. It just means we just had a shitty day financially, or maybe we had an emotionally tough day or, you know, a fight with our wife or one of the kids, something along that. It doesn't mean our whole life is blown up. This is all to say this, is that when we look at real estate, we need to create an environment for ourselves to succeed in real estate. And what happens with many investors, especially those getting started out, they don't create the environment for themselves to actually invest in real estate and stick with it and do what it takes to get it done because they get all the shit going on in their life. The point is, is that when you look after yourself, when you really spend time looking after yourself, it opens up the door and creates an environment for you to succeed in the world of real estate and deal with what's coming at you. And in this case, 
you know, an, uh, a major recession and, uh, you know, an, an epic, an, 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 economic, economy. an economic upheaval. I mean, let's face yeah. it, it's, it's a big deal. So, you know, that's all. I don't know if that covers, you know, but it really is. I agree 100 percent that you are the center of your universe. And although many people think it's self-centered, it really is, is you owe it to your family. You owe it to your friends. You owe it to the people around you. You know, like me, like you, you know, I'm the CEO. I'm the center of my team needs me to be healthy. In all yep. areas of my life, in order you can't be uh, you can't be a whack job emotionally. You can't. It's going to show up in a lot of places. Yeah, it shows yeah, up yeah. in a lot of places. So we right. owe it to everybody around us to make sure that we're looking after it, uh, looking after ourselves. And I spend a little bit of time always on it, and and I know that we see that in women by their nature, especially you know moms and wives. They they sure. you know all their energy goes outside of themselves, and they don't do a good job often. Uh, I generalize. Some do, of course. No, it's, it's sure. They, they, all their energy goes outside, and then the next thing you know, they're depleted energetically. So, you know, I'm always, when I'm coaching women, particularly having conversations with them, and this is much what I've learned from Stephanie and others, is that, you know, ultimately, we have to um, support our wives, support the moms in looking after themselves. Go. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let's, 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 let, let's talk about women. Okay, because I think for, for, for okay, me, our two guys, I don't know how that's going to land. Where <laughs> what the hell do we know? Well, you know, I had a pretty dominant mom. Yeah. Um, there, there were four, four sisters and two brothers. So I had girls, you know, around me and sisters. Then I married a girl. The two mothers lived with us, my mother and my wife's mother. Yeah. And then I had three daughters. Yeah. Fair enough. So I've been surrounded by women. They're trying to turn me into, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm very so anyway, similar. So, I had three sisters, by the way. Yeah, so right. I totally, yeah, I right, get right, it. Right. So, but one of the things I've discovered as an employer, I think moms with children are an untapped resource by the working world, mm -hmm. okay? So when you're a mom with children, you are burning the candle at both ends, okay? I would want that job, okay? Nope. So what we've done, we've hired a number of moms who work part-time part for us, Right. And they have been extraordinary, some of them, and they've grown into senior positions, right? One of the moms who's been with us, her name is uh, Carolyn Ennis. I'm just very proud of her. Carolyn joined us uh, nine years ago. I think her son was one or two years old, and she was a virtual assistant. Today, Carolyn's on my deal team. She's like on my right-hand man. She's doing deals with pension funds. What a great story from a virtual assistant and probably minimum wage, yeah. okay, to like rocking it, right? With clients, they, they love her. She's got all the skills. When her children grew up, right, now they're, they're kind of like in high school, right? Carolyn had, was building herself a career, right? You should have her on the show, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyway, so, so, yeah, so, so I think that there are definitely um, opportunities for employers, right, to think about this untapped resource of skilled, educated, motivated, um, you know, moms who have children, right? And what they want more than anything is flexibility in their schedule. That's so that's kind of, that, that's what we give them flexibility. Yep. You know, you you take holidays when your husband takes holidays, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, and and so you can and you can give them more flexibility because you'll get these skills, but at more, more a little bit more at their time, yep. right? Yeah. But 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 you know, with the virtual thing and all that, it's it's all getting better. I, I I love that. I've you know over the years I've hired many moms, and I mean here's the fundamental. Let me drop my kids off at school before I start. I want to get my kids off to school. So I'm going to come in. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to come into the office. I'm going to sign on 9, 930, whatever that might be. Perfect. 
and then I'm going to pick my kids up from school. So you're not going to hear from me after three, but then, but they're back online after seven. After in the, the evening. kids are exactly. in bed, yeah. right? That's all they want, you know. And it's just such a yeah. great, and it works for them, yeah. works for the employer. So I think it's I, brilliant. I just think we need we, we yeah. need to talk about this more, yeah. right? Yeah. But not only that, like we're, we're we're not here to save the world. We've got to run a business. Yes. Right. Okay. What I'm saying is, it's it's a good business decision. Yes. Fair enough. I agree. It's a good business decision. So 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 I, I think just just a, a combination of having all these, you know, women around me and my, and my family, my children and so on. And then, and then recognize that there is a shortage in, in the workforce, maybe, maybe not today, but, but, you know, for the last 10 years there has been. So there, so there's a good resource and it gets, and it's good for everyone. It is. Okay. Let's get back to the economy. Now we're looking after ourselves. You yeah. need to do that. Let's talk about yeah. economy. What do you see? How do you see the world right now? Because you know what I'm, when I look at it and I'll stop, here's my view, is that people are often saying, what's going on in real estate? What's going on in real estate? And for the first time, it, it, it more than ever, it's not just about real estate. It is about an overall economy. You can't ask what's happening in real estate without asking what's happening in government, what's happening with the dollar, what's happening, uh, you know, overall with, you know, other industries. I mean, it's such a big conversation to have that it's because it's not just about real estate. It's about a lot of things. So yeah, yeah. what are you looking at as you're doing your research? What are you taking into consideration? What's going on economically? Okay, okay. So so first, nobody knows. Let's just agree to that, Patrick. Yeah. Nobody knows, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when this thing first happened, we all started ODing on watching too much television, right? We're watching the news. They're looking for, they're looking for more exciting stories. So the one doctor who says this is going to be worse, they get him, then the guy, the guy they can find the next day he wants to get on TV says, this is going to be worse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there was this kind of ratcheting up of, of, of just the, you know, I, I, I don't even know what to call it. Okay. So I kind of made the call and saying, stop watching so much television. Yep. Fair enough. Okay. Yep. So I started thinking about, you know, what am I experiencing first? Because I know that to be true. Okay. So let me give you something that I've done every day during this, during this 15, 16 weeks. I have to drive by the transit station as I come to my office. So it's a bit of a two-minute drive out of the way. Every day for the last 15 weeks, I've been going, I've been counting the cars in the parking lot, okay? And then my office also sits on the QEW. That's the major highway here, you know, in Toronto, right? And so I've been counting the cars. So normally there's 500,000 cars there, okay? There were at the lowest point 20 cars there, Okay. Yesterday, there were only 56 cars there, okay? But the highway in front was jammed. I see traffic jams now every day at 5 o'clock coming home, which I hadn't seen them. You know, I used to drive to work and almost see no cars, right? Because I'm the only guy in the office that come here. So what I'm saying, so I'm observing that. I know that to be true. Fair enough? Okay. Yes. So I can make some real estate decisions around that, okay? Parking spots in Toronto are become very valuable. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. who's saying that, Right? So if in hindsight, if I'd gone to every hotel and had leased one floor of underground parking, right, that would have been a great call because right. people are going to be concerned about taking transit. I sometimes take this train. You're standing nose to nose to people sometimes. Yep. So what happens that? So so there, but, but that's a personal observation. Okay? Now, I keep reading all this stuff about New York City, okay, and about Portland, right? Honestly, and then I keep seeing the same video on TV over and over again. Going, Wait a minute. Why do they keep showing that same clip? Like, it's almost like a week old. So I called up someone I knew in New York City with an office in downtown Manhattan, right? So I said, tell me what it's like. He confirmed it was grim. So it's, it's not just what I'm saying in the media. What I want to do is I want to confirm stuff myself or with people that are 
random ad hoc, not necessarily experts. And, and I think what I'm trying to gain here is, is what's your emotion. So I can tell you the emotion in the apartment sector, which is the one I can speak on, is strong. We have put two buildings under contract post-COVID at pretty much the price we would have got pre-COVID. $25 million deal and a $45 million deal, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think that when you talk about the economy, let, let me just go straight to apartments and I'll come back and talk about the global economy, of which nobody knows anything about, right? But in the apartment sector, I think that almost like the perfect storm has happened. So number one, tenant demand is still there. Resident demand is still there. They're not going anywhere, fair enough, okay? Number two, investor demand is still there. In fact, all the big institutions, that's, that's, that, that's the asset class I'm talking about now, the institutional stuff. I'll talk about smaller properties a little bit later on. You know, the demand is still there. And I think the demand has actually grown because their other real estate has not done this well. Everyone's going for the real estate that has the lowest standard deviation or the highest sharp ratio, right? Mm-hmm. Apartments fill that sector. So, so I think that the institutions want apartments. The renters are there. Interest rates are at a low. And I think for the first time, one thing everybody agrees about, they have to stay low because we have no other choice. That's how bad the economy is. Fair enough. Where we couldn't raise interest rates if we had to because they couldn't service the debt anymore, right? So we got ourselves in a bind. There aren't that many more levers to pull, right? Yeah. And then the fourth is related to new apartment construction. I think that there are a lot of developers out there not going to be able to build a lot of retail or hotel or office, but you've got development skills. So if you don't know how to build apartments, okay, you have 90% of the skills to build them. We can teach you the other 10%, right? So one of the things that we did in the economy was, I'm going to tell you the brokerage business for most brokers fell off the cliff. Fair enough? I think a lot of my competitors didn't get out of bed in the morning because it was that grim, right? We opened up Apartment Developer University. Normally, when we run our two-day two day, you know, event in Toronto, um, you know, we get 100, 120 people. We had 240 people show up sure. online with us, you know, mm-hmm. three days a week, and we built a relationship with them virtually. It's hard to believe you can do that. I wouldn't have believed you could do that. Fair enough. Well, we, I mean, just, just to interject there quickly, sure. I mean, with, with, with rain, I mean, we did a couple of large events with, you know, over 800 people registered. Uh, mm. Our community's gotten tighter because what's interesting yes. about it is that while we're doing Zoom calls, we're actually being able to interact with people that are in the chat. So they're asking questions. You could never do that when you're on the stage, exactly. right? Exactly. People would listen to you speak. You didn't even know or, if you were or, answering or their people, questions. Or put people into chat rooms where three or four of them can talk together. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And right, so, right. This so, so is this is actually, I think, from in our industry and in doing what you do in your education, your teaching, I think this is the most effective and impactful thing, far better than a live event, in my view. It doesn't have that social interaction, got it. Uh, but uh-huh. I'll tell you, from a learning and from a, a relational thing, I think it's even better than live yeah, events. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's no happy hour or anything like that. But yeah, we understand. We yeah, understand. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, so... So, so, so coming to the economy, so for really just good fortune, right, the apartment sector, I think, has always been recession-proof. It's disconnected itself from the regular economy, but I think it's showing up to be virus-proof. Well, I th- yeah, and I agree. And, and do you want to hear why I agree? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a fundamental that when you talk about institutional money rolling into that multifamily space or looking for deals, I mean, they always have, but more, more than, you know, the, you're not seeing any kind of a drop or any pullback. I mean, in the, in the single family or in the smaller stuff, you know, that's a different conversation. But in this sure. space... We'll get to that, okay? Yeah, yeah. When you look at what's happening in, for example, in the equity market, it, whether it be on the U.S. side, you know, or, or, or TSX, doesn't matter. 
ultimately there's a huge disconnect between what's happening in the market and what reality is. And and yes. anybody with any foresight knows that. And you start to see the the insider trading that's going on. This is just all retail stuff driving this yep. market. The quantitative, you know, the QE, the quantitative easing that's happening is really uh, taking this market and uh, the equity market and making it like it's skewing it like crazy. So that's fine. That's a game. I don't think long-term money wants to play that game. I think when you look at where you're going to get yield, where you're going to get the return, where are you going to put your capital? You, do they really want to lock it down into a, an equity market? I don't think so. And, I don't and either. there's no bonds. I mean, there's bonds are paying nothing. So what are you going to do? What, what better place to put it than in a nice multi-building or in a number of multi-buildings where you know that renters are going to have to rent? And as we go forward, we're going to see more of that. Back to your point, I think one of the points I think you made, Derek, in this conversation was the fact that we don't see rents climbing big because ultimately the economy is not going to be able to handle huge rent increases. So the smart money is going to just keep the building full, keep their clients happy, make sure they're looking after it, and they're going to, you know, they're going to do that. Now, that's kind of my view of what we're starting to see happen and why that multifamily space is is probably really popular with some bigger money, whether it be institutional or just guys with deep pockets. I, I, I think it's going to be it's popular with institutions, but let's get maybe get down to you know the rain listener if you want. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so so when this COVID thing hit. You're an employer. I'm an employer, right? So, so I, I had to make some tough calls, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so we had 50, we had 20 staff. I, I furloughed five people. Mm -hmm. Okay, that that's never fun or easy to do. Not nope. easy for the people, but you yeah. know we did the best we could. And now they, they've all come back. By the way, we brought them all back. Okay? Yeah. We're bringing them all back. So that's the good news. And in hindsight, I probably I thought the world was going to end. It felt like it, but you know what? Anyway, so 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 that's been done. But then I started thinking to myself, okay, so. And this is leading to something here, okay? Sure. Um, I, I want to think about, say, okay, so we're going to get, I thought it was going to be eight or 10 or 12 weeks, right? Everybody did. But now, all of a sudden, it's, it's longer than who knows where it's going to go. So I said to myself, okay, what, what can we do during this period so that when we come out of it, we're going to have the best three years of our life? Mm -hmm. Now, I couldn't say three months of our lives, but I'm in brokerage. Brokerage, it's got a long uh, you know, business development cycle and execution. Long tail, yeah. Right? Yep. Right. So we immediately took everybody and we deputized them as sales and marketing people. Remember building one out, building a transaction off the cliff, yeah. right? So everybody got into sales and marketing. We got in the education business. Mm -hmm. By running the education business, right, we were able to pick up, we picked up a couple hundred people. On some of our seminars we did, we had 4,000 unique visitors on our COVID, web, on our COVID webinars, right? Sure. Those all became followers now, right? And we did business with them. So again, where's the economy going, right? So as a business owner, right, and many of your people are entrepreneurial by nature, right? If you're going to be a RAIN member, right? So I thought to myself, my biggest struggle has been in the last 10 years, hiring good people. That's been my big, you talk to any employer, they will tell us their number one problem. Well, guess what? Go fishing when the pond is stocked, mm -hmm. right? So I made the commitment to hire 10 people, right? In the next little while, okay? That's, that, that's an entrepreneurial risk that I'm taking. So I'm going to increase our staff by 10 people, right? But there are some great, talented people out there, mm -hmm. right? So maybe that's when you think about the economy. I don't know where the economy is going. What I'm really concerned about is how does our company fit into this economy? Fair enough? So, so we all know what to do in a growing market. We all do. We love it. Sure. Fair enough? Yep. You just be in the market. the right. But, but let's start thinking about really seriously and in detail, okay, what do we do in a tough market? Fair enough? What do we do when properties become cheaper if things go the wrong way? 
have you have have you lined up all your people right now to go and raise the money? This is an this is an equity rich building. Right? You need a lot of money to buy an apartment building, right? So you should be lining up, having those conversations, showing people your business plan for the deals that are coming, right? So you say, look, I've got a square box here. I'm looking for the square peg to fit in it. And when it does, I'm ready already to, as opposed to going to the day before and saying, I got a property under contract, want to put out some money, right? Show me your business plan, you know, and things like that. So number one, I'd say set up to have what, however long this period is, set up to have the best three, four, five years of your life after this because of what you do now, right? And the question I'd want to ask everybody, and I ask, I have dozens of conversations every week, and they're usually 45 minutes to an hour, by the way, right? Not like, you know, kind of five minute conversations. People have time and they also answer the phone because they're home. Is, what have you learned during this period? Like, really, and I'll ask the question five or six times to like get something out of them, right? That maybe even they don't know. So one of the things I've learned here is I think I, I'm fortunate to know, I think some of the smartest people you know, you know, in the country, right? They're blessed just to be smart. I'm not sure they know either, right? So all I'm saying is be prepared for whatever's coming, right? Think about acquiring really good talent, people that are way smarter than you, okay? Because they are going to be, I'm not saying they're going to be cheaper. You got to pay them the wage that they typically earn before, but you can be able to, I think, for the really get good quality people, right? And, uh, and so HR is, is always an issue for companies. Maybe things got, it, it, it's, been, it's going to get a little better from an employee standpoint, uh, worse from an employee standpoint, because people are you know, good people losing jobs, but, but, but better for owners. I, I think that counterintuitive maybe is to say, shrink your business. It's figure out what you're going to do and then go and write that plan and find those people. So we're going to open up, and I think this will be interesting to the RAIN members, a division in our company, it's, it, we're going to focus on mid-market brokerage, six to 60 units, Okay. And we're going to hire, we're going to divide Ontario into 10 territories with 10 agents that are going to farm their territory. Fair enough? But so what our objective is, is look, you're, lots of your guys have bought duplexes, fiveplexes, sixplexes. And you know, you had a guy who was a, an agent at a, at, a, at a residential firm, you're putting a one pager together. So our goal is, is to attract brokers who want to bring institutional service to the mid-market. So if we're selling a 20-unit building, the package, the systems, the follow-up, the marketing, it's going to be the same as a 200-unit building. That, that, that's our goal. It's going to be institutional um, you know, service to the, to the mid-market. And I really believe this is the perfect time to do it because the guys who own the smaller buildings are not really affected by the stock market. They're in the smaller buildings because they don't like the stock market, right? Yep. And, 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 and most transactions occur usually because of generational change, health, partnership problems. Nobody, nobody tries to pick the top of the market. It's, it's not how real estate investors think. I mean, some, the, the really smart ones get in and out at the right time and play, but, but generally speaking, you buy for the long term, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so that's, so, so that's the, like, I'm not, I really can't give you an answer to the question because I don't know, but I think all I can tell you is what I'm doing for our business, which is batten down the hatches and think about practices and hire really good people. And I'm going into a niche that we don't think has been properly captured and that's bringing institutional service to the mid-market. Does that make sense? That's my business plan, man. Yeah, well, but, but here's the part that is important in all of that. Yeah, so I get that. And I think, uh, you know, to me that I totally get that. But here's, ultimately as business owners and whether you're a, you know, we always say treat your real estate investing like a business. And so whether, you know, when, when I talk about business owners, I'm talking about anybody who's investing in real estate, buying real estate. You have to take some critical thinking and apply it 
and then at some point make a decision based on that critical thinking. Yes. You know, and, and that's really what it is. And you're going to yes. go down a path that you go down, but you have to create that plan. You cannot kind of wave around and left in the wind like a sail. I mean, you actually at some point have to use critical thinking and make a decision and then follow that path. You know, something interesting that you brought up and, and I just don't want to step over it is, you know, mainstream media in all of this, you know, the, the one thing I've learned about mainstream media is they're just a talking script. You can't, if you rely on that, I mean, you, you know, you found it yourself. It's like, it'll bring you down. And, and it's like the same stuff over and over again. And it's so, uh, you have to dig deeper, you know, you've got to get that research that you want. And so I'm in, in that space. So my point is, is that through all of what you're doing, the critical thinking, you're putting the plan together and you're looking at what the circumstances are, you know, as much as, you know, we got right now and it, you're getting talent because you're 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 looking for talent at a little higher level. You know, you're looking at the talent where probably the point of entry and the salary is going to be that 60, 70, 50, you know, and up kind of range. You know, you've got right now, you've got the largest unemployment rate in Canada and the largest labor shortage in Canada because you've got all of that service industry going, I'm not going back to work. I'm making two it's grand sad. a month. It's sad. It's, it's summer. Sad. I'm not doing anything. That's the frustrating part of it. Yes, very sad. So here's the, you know, from an economy point of view, you know, and, and what I'm finding with all of it, and I've had the, you know, I've had Sherry Cooper on, I've had Carl Gomez. Carl was a great interview, by the way, as economist, as you know, Ben Myers, who's really, you know, got a pretty good uh, track record in, in Toronto. What I'm noticing is, is that with the economists that, and it could be Benjamin Tall, who I really admire, and, and I'm a big fan of Benjamin Tall. Ben, not, he's a genius. He's, he's a smart dude. And there he are, doesn't know. There are, but I don't know. Here's my view of it. I think you can't, people are afraid to state the truth. People in Canada are afraid to state the truth of what is happening right now. And economically, we're in suspension. We are, we are in this platform that we've got QE happening like crazy, like Canada's never seen. We're talking a population of 37 million people. That is over a trillion dollars. No, no, it's, the numbers are bizarre. Uh, they're, they're, they're off the charts crazy. And so we've got CERB, we've got um, deferred mortgages going on, we've got unemployment that's through the roof, that's understated, I believe. And I think guys like Benjamin Tall, Sherry Cooper, you know, they got to be a little bit at the end of the day, they got to be a little guarded because they they're are tied to the bank. You yes. know, they're tied yeah. to a yeah. bank, and and sure. and, and, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, you and I. I mean, we can have our opinion, but who gives a shit about what you know, Derek Lobo or Patrick Francis say? You know, who are we really in our in our world? You know, people want to listen to us, and I think they we've gained a lot of trust, and and we respect that. But I don't, you know, I don't see a good economy going forward. I think we're going to go through some pain in the world of real estate. And I thought I think we're going to see it in the third and fourth quarter, and that's where the opportunities are going to. So, from I'm very optimistic from a, a um, an investor point of view that this is a time. To your point, where's your capital going to come from? Are you have you got some dry powder? Are you going to be able to take advantage of the upcoming opportunities? And and whether that's primarily in the residential, smaller residential stuff, small multis, even I think I see that happening, and I think that's what we have to prepare for. You know, I, I I agree with you. Keep your powder dry in the sector I'm in. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's still really good. Yes. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Okay. And it's surprisingly good. Yeah. Okay. Nobody expected this to occur. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the extraordinary low interest rates, the demand that has kept it very good. So if that buying opportunity is coming, Patrick, and mm -hmm. let's assume it is. Because mm -hmm. the other point you made, and I wanted to make this point earlier, was 
you're not going to recognize a good deal until you've seen 50 buildings and underwritten 50 buildings. Totally. You can't recognize a good deal <laughs> yeah, so if true. you're not out there doing the homework. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So guys always, one guy said to me, okay, Derek, bring me a good deal. I said, you wouldn't recognize one mm. because you haven't been doing the work to recognize it. Mm-hmm. You see my point? Yes. Right, right, right. So yeah, look, look, I share your opinion on the economy. I really do. Okay. I think everybody should have some precious metals. Mm-hmm. Depends how bad you think the world is, depends on how much. But I think everybody should have some, mm-hmm. right? Okay. I think everybody should be, you know, having, you know, a great house that they can afford, mm-hmm. right? Even with interest rates so low, I just don't think you should be over leveraged. Fair enough. This just isn't the time to do that, right? And things like that. But I almost think for me, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, and I think a lot of also, like, even just the way people react to COVID, it just depends on their makeup. Some people are really concerned about it. Yep. I'm not that concerned about it's it. It's very right? polar. I mean, I'm, I'm very polarizing. Very, very, very polarizing. Po- and it's yeah. almost like, it's almost like having a political difference. Yes, it is. Do you know what I mean? A yeah. polarized political But look, yeah. everyone's going to be how they're going to be, and nobody knows. Yeah. I think that's for the first time in history, really, nobody knows. So, so we just, Keep rolling with this. We keep paying attention. Mm-hmm. We keep making decisions, right? And so when this first started, I was making a decision on a daily basis. Then I went to making decisions on a, on a weekly basis. Then I went to making decisions on a monthly basis. I'm thinking out six months in advance now. I'm thinking out a year now. I'm thinking about planning things that are going, yeah. you know, a year. Yeah. Right? And it's, and, it's uh, taking some time just to kind of get some uh, some balance with what's coming at us in terms of information and stuff. You know, from a RAIN perspective, I mean... We do a lot of economic research, but we're looking at a very, we look at a national picture. You know, we look at, you know, right from coast to coast, what's happening economically because our community is from coast to coast. We have investors right across the country. Of course, yeah. yeah. And so we're looking at all of the minutiae that is happening in different towns. So I look at the economy probably a little in a, well, I definitely look at it from an overview of an economy and what does that mean to different individuals? Because, you know, to be honest with you, what's happening in Alberta is quite a lot different than what's happening in Ontario or British Columbia, Saskatchewan. I mean, it's all different provinces. Lots of different things are happening. So, but let's go. Okay. So let's not get off too track. So when we look at, uh, I want to talk a little bit about if you have a view of what's happening in Toronto, you know, you're noticing, and, and I know this happens to be, you know, this is a conversation that many are having is that rapid transit people aren't into, you know, when you look at transit systems, people are not prepared to get on a bus, get on rapid transit. For now. For now. For now. Right? Right. But, but we're also seeing that people who are living in the downtown core, some of the, you know, let's say the boomers primarily, I think, are going, I don't want to be, you know, getting on an elevator. I don't want to have to be wearing a mask. I'm getting the hell out of Dodge and we're starting to see a demand. And this, I think, is even in the multifamily space. You know, I think you're, I think smaller units in the outlying areas outside of downtown cores are going to do very, very well, you know, these smaller centers, you know, and, and whether that be a Barrie or a Hamilton or a Peterborough, just as, a, you know, some quick examples. I think, I think the propensity to get the hell out of urban, get suburban and even rural you know, that's what we're seeing and hearing about a lot. Now, whether that's a trend, I don't know, it's too early to tell, but I think it could be. That's that's kind of how I'm viewing it. You know, um, I, I think I think I'm just going to say I don't know. Yeah, uh, the, 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 there's so many moving factors here and there's there so is. many things that are there's huge. different. That, you know, everyone says it's different this time. I think yes. this time it really is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, re- it really is different. Like, it, it is. Look at Zoom. What it's done to the world, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. So let's go back. Okay, let's get let's get off this topic for a second. I want to go back to uh, you and and uh, your heart attack. Because, you know, 
since that time, you lost a lot of weight. You're 62 years old. You look great. What changed for you after that heart attack? Because, you know, many people have a heart attack and actually they don't change. They go right back to what they always yeah, have done. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, it's so funny. I think it was one thing. I was with my cardiologist, right? Yeah. And uh, and uh, he said to me, he said, "Oh, one interesting thing is when you when you have a heart attack in Ontario, anyways, you can go for some sort of psychological counseling. Yeah, free on, on you know on the taxpayer." So I thought, "What the heck? You know, I've always wanted to see a psychologist. Probably need one." Yeah. So I went and I saw this psychologist, and we started chatting about how you feel about it and so on. But one of the, you had a meeting with a retired cardiologist and he said to me, 90% of people sitting in your chair don't change. And I thought, come on, dude, I just, I just got a stent put in. Mm-hmm. They don't, he goes, they don't change. People keep smoking. They keep, so I said, look, I'm just, I said, it is illogical and irrational to be that way. And I think if he had never said that to me, because I, I thought that was bizarre that 90% of people didn't change, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually know someone who got a, heart transplant he got a new heart yeah that is as that is as a, he still smokes uh, like unbully anyways yeah. so i just said to myself you know i need to be the poster boy you know for this mm-hmm. fair enough i need to be the poster boy for heart attack. look most people don't tell people they've had they've had a event mm-hmm. fair enough because people say derek how was your event you know? i thought to myself you know listen i got through it i learned some things through it so if anyone's interested derek global heart attack i said what I did, what worked, what didn't work, what I want to do next. Fair mm-hmm. enough. And uh, they just they were just fun things I did to put up there. But I've had at least 20 people uh, no, more, more, have come in and said, you know what? I have changed what I, I've changed my exercise routine. And, uh, and, and I have become a real, real, real fan of routine. Like, like to me, you know, you can routinize your morning or you can weaponize your morning, right? And COVID, unfortunately, played, played a little bit of, you know, messed up my routine a little bit. But, you know, I'm getting it back slowly. But, but I really believe in, and I think routine all day long would be good. But I think if you can get your morning routine down, right? I'm working on an afternoon routine. And I'm going to work on an evening routine. But getting that morning routine down, I think, is, is really critical. And there's all kinds of, you know, good YouTube videos on the importance of, I think one of the one of the things I learned was, you know, you guys are all about success in coaching people, right? So do you know what the number one trait of successful people are? Is it wake up early? Uh, early mornings, yeah, for sure. Now, yeah. It is the number, no, apparently it's I, like the, whoever's rules, is, but it's the number one trait of waking up early. Of a successful, well, you know, wake I, up early. You know, because of the the podcast and and just because of all the research I've done in my life is that you know I see this time and time again. You know, the most successful individuals that even that I even interview on on the, this podcast is people are early risers and they get up, they get started, they have their time together or by themselves or some you know some they 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 take that time actually to connect with their significant other. Or they do something that looks after them, whether it be some meditation or journaling or my exercise. Wife's not awake, but, yeah. Hmm. Well, th- I'm that way too. My wife is she, uh, Stephanie gets up after I do, but I'm always been a 5 a.m., 5:30 a.m. Yeah, kind of yeah. guy. I get up. That's my time. I actually glad that she doesn't get out of bed because it literally gives me sure, some sure. time to. And and because you know, um, a big part of my management team is in Eastern Canada. What what throws you me get up early. what, what yeah. throws me off is I want my mornings, but I got to sometimes and and they're very good. Like I'll, I'll actually go anyways. My point is, is that they want to have a meeting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Well, that's 6 a.m. in British Columbia. And, and that's right in the middle of my, like that's screwing up my routine. Don't mess with my routine. So, but the, 
what were you doing before? So before your heart attack, did you were you a, a, a shit show? What was going on, Derek? You know, I was a regular guy going hard in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I still work all the time. I'm in the office. Like my actual work hours during COVID are longer. Yeah, yeah. Like I come here at eight in the morning. I leave six, seven, eight at night sometimes. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. But, but 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 I wasn't. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't. And I think, you know, maybe this is a good time to, 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 to talk a little bit of just to, just about sort of what defines you, right? Sure. Like you, you, you said you were going to ask me that question, Yeah. right? All right. So I think, you know, um, and, and this leads to, 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 to you know, to, to what, what you talked about, but I kind of think that I think about life as being duty. Like if I had to pick one word in my life, it would be duty. Like define my role and then I try and fill that role. Fair enough. So, so I thought about the different roles that I play in life. And, and so first, is just, I'm a good Catholic boy, right? Mm-hmm. So faith is an important part of my life. I'm going to give you guys a passage in scripture. It doesn't matter how you're wired. It's just, it's just good advice. Luke 12, 25. So it's Christmas day, 12, 25. Okay. And it says, who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Mm-hmm. Who by worrying? So that's, that, that's, I read that for months after I think I had heart attack. Fair enough. And it wasn't a dramatic heart. I just got a stent put in. I was lucky I had no heart damage. I'm, I'm, I'm really in, in way better shape than I was before. But so, so, so I think the first one was just sort of, you know, what are the roles that you play in life? Right. And, and, and so, so, so it's, it's, you know, husband, father, employer. Employer is a tough one to fill. It right. Is. When we, when this, when this COVID thing hit, it was like, it looked like the wheels were coming off the buggy and brokerage. Right. So I really had to stop, think, Talk to all the smartest people I know and say, look, I'm thinking of going in the education business. It was a really good call mm-hmm. that we made. Fair enough. We're, we're going to be in the education business, running apartment developer university, apartment leasing university, and apartment marketing university, right? So, so, so then it was, then the, then the decision came, you know, what do you do during this period? Well, there's going to be great people available, right? So I, I think it was just, just, just a matter of getting that stuff in order in your life and then hopefully maintaining what routine you already had, right? And that was hard to do because I thought, wait, my, if I'm going to catch COVID, I better get enough sleep. So my, my 4.30 in the morning wake-up call, getting up at 4.30, kind of went out the window. And all of a sudden, I'm getting at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, right? And I've slowly been kind of ratcheting back to get to where, which was a very hard... You were a natural early riser. I had to work at this, and it was hard to do. But, you know, freed up so much more time. It does free up a lot of time when you do yeah. that. Well, so, I'm glad you're an early riser. I'm glad we both talked about it because it's one of the simplest things you can do in your life to improve your productivity in your life. That's the best time to exercise too. It is the best time to exercise. And uh, if I don't work out in the morning, I'm it's a bitch for me. I can't I can't bring myself mentally to. I'm usually kind of done, so I can't mentally. But I that's I know I just have to work through that. I won't get into that. Yeah, no, 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 of course. So, so Derek, I can, I can never have a conversation with one of my guests without knowing a little bit about your background because here you are. You've, you've achieved some amazing things in your life, in your business. Uh, you, like you say, you've got a great family. You've done some really cool things and very strong entrepreneurial skills. What's your background? Do you, where do you, you know, were your parents entrepreneurial? Like, how did you come to be Derek Lobo, oh, real it. estate guy, extraordinaire? How'd you do all that? What, what did it come by? You know, was it all part of your, you know, hardwiring, your DNA? Did parents push you? How'd that all happen? Yeah, you know, you know. First, first of all, I think if you're going to be entrepreneurial, it's not for everyone. Okay, <laughs> for it's sure. not. Yeah, and, totally. and do not push your children into entrepreneurism if they're not. It's maybe for one or two or three percent of people. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yep. This taking risk and and things like that. And some people are meant to be 
you know, good, solid workers in the vineyard, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and they should be, right? So, but, but just in terms of background, you know, um, I, moved to, I moved to Canada when I was, when I was eight years old. Uh, my dad was an aircraft mechanic. He was a, he was a working guy, you know what I mean? And sure. I remember he, he always said, that you should be a millwright. So I said, how come? He says, because they get to work indoors. Because that was his framing of things. Working outside, you know, was, was a hard thing to do. But anyway, so grew up here, right? Went mm-hmm. to school here. And, uh, and, and I was a pretty good student, but the wheels came off the buggy in grade 13 for me. I couldn't get in university, right? I wound up going to, going to Ryerson at the time. It wasn't the college, it was university. It was kind of in the middle there. So I went there. Um, I, studied, I studied something called metallurgy, which was the engineering of steel. I worked for Canada's largest steel maker. And I just, I just wasn't fitting in. And, uh, and, and, and one of the major events in my life happened then. I got a, an award for coming up with an idea, and I was paid a very significant suggestion award, an entire year's salary, essentially. I got paid as a bonus, right. fair enough, yeah. which is extraordinary, you That's know, awesome. at that age to get that. So sure. What I recognized was that none of my coworkers or my bosses were happy for me. And, I, it, and then I thought to myself, oh my gosh, do I want to be in an environment where people are envious of what you do? Or do I, or why I want to be in an environment where people cheer me on, mm-hmm. right? So in an, when, when, when an entrepreneur meets another entrepreneur, all he wants to do is give that guy advice and help them, especially if they're older, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what you just want. You're happy for other people's success. Their success is your success because you realize the world is not a fixed pie. So if I get a bigger slice, you don't get lost, less, Patrick. The world is not limited pie. So if you get a big piece, I said, Patrick, what did you do? Tell me. And you're happy to tell me. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Even Mike, I call up my broker competitors and they're shocked I call them. Because now, Derek, you realize you're my competitor. I, go, I get it. But 75% of the deals I've done would never have happened if I didn't have the initiative to have them happen. And those buildings would still be owned by those owners today. Fair enough? Yeah. And so I think that th- that, that was kind of my view of the world. So I started off working, you know, just a working guy. But, but by the time I got to my late 20s, I started realizing that this gig wasn't good for me. And that's, that was a very personal decision. It was great for the guys who worked there. They love going, punching in, you know what I mean, and working and, uh, and things like that. But, but, but for, me, for me, it wasn't right. So I started searching for an opportunity. It took me a few years to find it. My, my, my first idea was to write a cookbook. I, back in the day, I used to like to cook a lot. I actually thought about writing a cookbook. I can't imagine what my life would have gone if I'd done that. <laughs> Anyways, I wound up, Patrick, writing a book on rent controls. Bizarre topic, but it was the right time in the right place. You know, the key to be a bestseller is his blind luck, being in the right place at the right time. So, but if you stay in traffic, you'll find opportunities. So I wrote the book on rent controls. That's how I got in the apartment business. Wow. And I, I bought some apartments before that. Um, and, and, and anyway, so I got in this business. I thought, man, what other business on the planet could you own a $20 million asset and have someone making $19,000 a year managing it for you? Makes absolute sense. So I thought, let me bring sophisticated process that exists almost everywhere else to the apartment business. So I studied the apartment business really hard, right? Really said hard became a student of it. And then I went to these apartment owners and said, I'm going to help you. To which they said, as a 28-year-old East Indian guy with a head full of hair, right? And so you got to visualize that, Patrick. Yeah, okay? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, so yeah, so, so the guy said, how are you going to help? So I said, I'll do it 100% based on performance. And, and that's what an entrepreneur wants to hear. People are prepared to pay you a lot of money if you don't have an hourly rate. 100%. You don't have a daily rate. 100%, right? yep. Right. So, so, so that was my introduction to the apartment business, right? I bought some small buildings. I wrote a book on rent controls out of frustration. Um, and then I got in the apartment sector and the people who bought the book became my clients. Too. And one thing led to another. And, you know, we now have, you know, six, seven, eight services. 
that we provide to clients that evolve out of those relationships, right? So I think if I really, if I'm really, if I really look myself, and we've had some very significant clients, you know, across Canada, I think I've probably made a, a decent enough living, probably from twenty or thirty people, or twenty or thirty relationships. Go back a little bit because I, you know, in that you know conversation or in that story you were sharing there, that background, you talk about you did own a couple small buildings to begin with. So, but tell me about the first time you bought real estate. What, like, you know, you did you enter the game doing multifamily? What the hell? No, How did no, you end no, up doing no, that? No, 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 no. It was really simple, right? So, I, 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 I wanted to buy a house, so I bought a house and I converted to a triplex. That is my fondest memory of any real estate story I ever had. Fair enough. I was not particularly skilled. I lent a friend of mine money and he couldn't pay me back. So I said, work it off. Fair enough. So he came and helped me convert this house into a triplex. And I lived in the basement as a single guy, right? And then when I got married, um, I remember my sister saying in my wedding speech, she goes, yes, and Derek is going to give Celia the luxury of a basement roof over her head. <laughs> and so... So, so about two months after we got married, my middle tenant moved out and we moved upstairs into the, into the big apartment. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, it was a conversion of this house um, into a triplex, which taught me so much. But even that's, you know a, I mean? but I mean, even that's a pretty big move. Like we tell kids all the time, like young people all the time, they go, well, how do I get started in real estate? Well, you know, go buy your house, you know, buy it with a basement suite, live in a basement yeah. suite, rent out the yeah. top, you know, do whatever you do. But most people don't get that lesson, like, if, you know, if, unless they ask the question. So, I mean, that's just still a pretty heads up move at that age to even think about doing that. Where did that come? I want to get right back to where did the hell that come from? You just had a, a brainstorm, you read a book. You're... No, 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 no. I, I was always, I was always a little bit of a restless kid. I was searching yeah. around. For there stuff, we go. Right? So yeah. I didn't have one paper route. I had three. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I did a weekly one, a morning one and an evening one. Right. I worked at McDonald's as a manager of McDonald's. Right. Yeah. I always got the Friday evening and the Saturday evening shift. And so it was, it was kind of like the, the non-glamorous jobs. But, you know, I guess when I stepped back and looked at it and I said, like, who has the dough? It's the business owners. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But I do recognize, Patrick, that this is not for everybody. It isn't. No. And, and you know, I, I look at my I have three great daughters. They're all professionals. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. um, they're really not that interested in, in owning it. It comes with baggage. Yep. It comes with a 24-7 as much as we say we can turn it off. Yep. Right? It, it comes with stuff that's that's not that's not for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, you you and you have to really want to be. I think you have to want to be a, a, a contribution at a way different level. And and you're right, it's not for everybody. And uh, you know, some days I wake up and go, "Geez, it would be so much easier if I worked for somebody else." That's what I tell myself in that moment. It doesn't take that. I don't hang on to that very long because I know that's bullshit. And I just yeah. you know, I just go back to work and do what I, I do. I actually, know. in the middle of my career, I got a job. Uh, one of the, the one of the larger Canadian REITs came to me and said, you know, why don't you come and work for us? And, you know, I, I, I guess you'd always hope that I'd kind of get the key to the executive washroom and five business class and stay at the Fairmont, that kind of stuff. Sure. You know, I'm like, a, you know, I'm like a, a, an embassy suites kind of guy. Right. Yep. And so so I did. I left my company for six months. It left. Never came in. Never came to the door. I had a present for the company. ran it. I read the Globe and Mail on the GO train. But. You know, after six months, this guy knew it and I knew it that I wasn't I wasn't fitting in there. I just wasn't fitting in there, right? So so how, how do you know 
Well, I, I've become a fan of personality profile testing. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime I hire someone, way before we get anywhere, we run a, a, a personality profile on them. And it doesn't tell me how smart they are, but it tells me what they're like. Mm-hmm. So I know we have researchers in our company. They have a certain profile. Fair enough? Totally. And, I, and they all have the same profile. Yeah. Our brokers have a different profile. My accountant has a different profile. Don't put our accountant is a brilliant, brilliant guy. Don't put him into, um, you know, a, a department where it's, where it requires, you know, a, a different skill set. Especially right? any kind of creativity that lives outside the black and white of accounting. Yeah, you know, that's. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy's on you because he's quite creative, but not, but not on the totally. on the big picture, but certainly not on the details of that big picture. He's a good vision guy. But yeah, I get what you mean. So, so I guess that you know you will start looking like if you think about your children, right? Um, you know, you'll start seeing traits in them to get them excited, mm-hmm. right? To get them excited and want to take something to the next level or start reading on it and things like that. So with your, you know, if you think you have a child who has an, or a grandchild who has an entrepreneurial itch, you know, help them, do it. Like buy them the piece of equipment they need or something like that to see if it's, to see if it's really there. Right. You know, something you said earlier, Derek, I want to go back to, which was, you know, early on when you were working for somebody, you realized that, you know, you were in this environment where people weren't being supportive. They were, you know, they became like it became this huge energy leak for you. And it was a good heads up for Unfortunately. you. Unfortunately. Yeah, of course. But I, I mean, you but the, but the point of that is this, is that in your years of, you know, guidance, wisdom, mentorship that I'm that I know you've provided others, you know, what do you say to somebody who finds themselves in that environment that doesn't have the, you know, the nerve to go, you know, some this life's too short. I can't work in an environment. Like I, I see people in certain sectors that I've gotten to know and it's just, it's unbelievable that how uh, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm, I'm missing a word, but it's, it's really, it's like, it's this caustic world that they live yes, in yeah, all uh-huh. of the time. You try and share that message with people, like get the hell out of that environment and get, yes. get into what uh, uh, lights you up. A hundred percent. And that's where I think personality profile testing comes in. Yeah. And another concept called unique ability comes in. Okay. So first we got to figure out how did God wire you? You can't change that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So I'm, I'm a natural quick start. Fair enough. That's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not going to be a heavy-duty researcher. I'll read enough. I read quite a bit. Yeah. But I'm skimming books. I'm reading chapter titles. I read the index first, you know, and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing that you need to do, and you're in this tough job that you hate, okay? So number one, you shouldn't stay there, right? Today, maybe you should because it's uncertain times. A paycheck is a really good thing, right? But what I try and figure, every everybody who's ever interviewed with me will go through this exercise of unique ability. It comes from a program in called Strategic Coach, right? Yep. Okay, program. So it talks about what are you a genius at? What are you excellent at? What are you good at? What are you bad at? I have people spend a lot of time filling in those four quadrants. Yeah. And then my job as an employer or as a supervisor in our company, right, is to... Tr- so Patrick, if you interviewed with me and I knew the work you love to do, I try and get you to do that all day long. Yeah. Fair enough? Yeah. And the work you hate to do, I'd have you do that only when you have to and I have no other choice. And that way, I don't have to manage you. You are working early and late and you're reading books on the topic, and you're blogging, you know what I mean? Because it's your passion. So I think if you're in a, if you're in a large company, um, you know, I think I would try and, try and figure out what I love doing. And by the way, here's how you tell what you love doing. After doing it, you feel better than before doing it. <laughs> For sure, right? I love speaking. Yeah. I can fly out to the West Coast, a four-hour, five-hour flight, 
I, I get out, you know, grab a taxi to the to, 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 to the convention center, walk up on stage feeling tired because I got up, at, you know, early in the morning to make catch the flight. And I can feel better walking off the stage than before I walked on. That's how you know you're doing it. Or I do it for free. I speak all the time for free. At, at, at you know, our our our, our pastor runs these uh, these these camps for boys, like to figure out their career and their kind of faith. I, I'll go anywhere to speak at that. Yeah. Fair enough, because yeah. it, it's what I love to do. So if you figure out your unique ability, you work in a large enough company, you've got supportive management there. Try and find the job that fits your unique ability. You know, it's and a, you it's should a, be able to know what it is. It's so you know, it's so true, right? You know, like the, our our executive team with Rain, we love what we do. I mean, I don't think Rain, I don't think there's a better you know, model for business than rain. You know, we get to have an impact on people's lives. We get to speak, we get to share knowledge, we get to support others' success. I mean, what more there is there in life when you're getting to support others in success and get paid for it, right? It's a, it's a, you know, it, it, it really getting cool. paid it, for it is kind of important. Yeah, getting paid of course. For it, like, yeah. And we get lit and we're all lit up about it. It's why, you know, back before when we were still flying, I mean, we were flying across the country on a monthly basis. And, and as much as we hated getting on an airplane, we never hated the destination. It was yeah, exactly. always awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. like you, I'm, I'm kind of on the freedom 95 program. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll shut her down when, 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 you know, get shut down. when my, when my, uh, you know, yeah, when I get shut down. Exactly. So, I'm going to wind up the show with some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. But what do you, what, what wisdom, what profound thing do you want to share that you haven't shared? I think I said it already. Stay in traffic. Mm. We're in a very, very changing world. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Solicit other people's opinion. Mm -hmm. People older than you, younger than you, Mm -hmm. smarter than you. Maybe you don't, right. Whatever it is, right. Uh, Stay in traffic, pay attention to what's going on because I don't think anybody knows what's going on. No. That, that would be what I would say today. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. going to be some critical thinking required for sure. So some rapid fire questions. I like to uh, wind the, the show down. They're the rapid fire and, and often they're not too rapid fire, but let's, uh, right. let's try it anyways. You want one word answers or whatever you want to do? Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Let's go, baby. So what have you got? What do you, what's your, one of your favorite books that you're either reading or have read or a book that you gift? Favorite book kind of thing. Two, uh, the E Myth by Michael Gerber. It's all about building operating that's, systems that's, inside a company. I think that's that is a, that's you got to read it. Everybody's got to read yeah, that. Yeah. I think so. And yeah. the second one is a book by uh, a guy named Bill Bennett. I I, I one of, I love to give books away, so yeah. I buy books by the box load. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, a book by Bill Bennett called The Educated Child, and he talks about how you should educate your children. Okay, and uh, it's your responsibility, not the schools. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, those those would probably be the two long. I think about the books I've given away the most. Mm-hmm. Those would probably be the two, and and the, the third. And the name's escaped. It's got a yellow cover. Oh, it's called Younger Next Year, and that was the one that got oh. me got, got me exercising and things like that. Younger Next Year. That book has been recommended to me a couple of different times. I have not downloaded it yet. The uh, I like to uh, do Audible these days. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, no, no. So so those those are the, those would be three great books. I used to be a voracious reader. Yeah, yeah. So do you still read or do you, are you an audible guy now? Or what are you doing these days? Um, you know, I, I've gotten a little lazy now. I kind of have people read books and summarize to me yeah. related to our business. Yeah, the yeah. book summaries aren't the same. Yeah, right. right? You're just reading yeah, the yeah. summaries. Yeah. I, I speed read a lot of books. I'm not a speed reader, but I don't think I have the patience anymore yeah. to get through a file. I like, I like books. I buy a book based on how short it is, not how long it is. Isn't that interesting? Now, uh, there's an app out there called, I think it's called Blink which is uh, book summaries, by the way. All, it, it gives you the executive summary of freaking thousands yeah. of books. It's yeah. very, very good. 
favorite inspirational quote besides Luke 12, 25? It's stay in traffic. Stay in traffic. That's a <laughs> it's good quote. Tough. But I will say one thing about books. My favorite author yeah. is, I think, this one of the smartest guys in Canada, Conrad Black. And oh, he's good, have, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I am, I am trying to read, I think it's called The Rise to Greatness. It's the history of Canada. 1,100 pages. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Right? But, but Conrad Black is, is a genius. His command of the language is, is, is a, I've never seen, I have a picture of me and Conrad yeah, yeah. That, that I keep, and I got him to yeah. autograph the book. So yeah. uh, I, he's, he's my favorite author. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. What's next? Okay. Favorite swear word? Oh, I don't have one. I never swear. Yeah, oh, you're one of those guys. Good for you. Yeah, I never okay. swear. Good for you. Well, I know I, I say golly gosh sometimes or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I sometimes when 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 my wife and I are together, I'll, I'll I'll jokingly swear. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. just appropriate and it's your wife. But yeah, but yeah it's it's funny. And, and 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 I just I used to, but I just stopped. Well, good for you. You know, I, I I was told once that people who swear don't have a really great command of the English language. That's how that was explained to me. Uh, and I must not have a great command of the English language because I do have yeah, a tendency to F bomb all over the place. Yeah. Okay, so on a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? Uh, you know the song, uh, Almost Cut by My Hair by David Crosby? <laughs> like it says, I, I want to let my freak flag fly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean, maybe, maybe it's hitting 60, Patrick. I don't know, but like I just kind of want to be who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, probably, I mean, maybe the, the, the good question to ask my wife is, you know, eccentric. She'd probably say pretty, you know, pretty high up there. Yeah. Room desk or your car, what do you clean first? None. You just don't clean? No, no, I got people to do you that. Got, have, got... your people, have your people call my people, we'll do a bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're one of those guys. Okay, that's perfect. Do you have a favorite tune? I, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Neil Young fan. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I like the song Helpless just because he sings about there is a time in North Ontario. Yeah, he's he's my guy. Yeah, okay. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, the Big Short. The Big Short. That was a good, big, that's oh, a good I have, I, movie. I, I have watched that movie, I don't know, maybe three or four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, first of all, it's about real estate. The, the characters are wacky, Yeah. right? And it was real, and we lived it. Yeah. You and I, were. we watched that, we watched that. That, that, that iceberg melt or that train wreck, you know, whatever that was, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I would say anybody in real estate should watch The Big Short, partly because it makes you feel smart. Yeah. And that's really important in life. Make people feel smart. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because be we understood what happened. We understood what happened. Yeah. You know, something uh, helping or people feeling smart is about confidence. Yeah. And, and I say that, you know, confidence isn't owned, it's borrowed. And we borrow it from other people and, you know, guys like, you know, as entrepreneurs and I think, you know, just people like you or myself and others, of course, is that, you know, a simple, a simple attaboy, a simple, you got this, a simple anything is so powerful in giving other people confidence. You hear it. If I say, Derek, you got this, you know, gosh, you're an accomplished guy, but it still gives you that little shot of confidence. And very, very important to compliment people. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I, I probably, I think I should praise more often. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we need to correct someone, correct them privately and things yeah. like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The big short. I'm going to watch it this weekend. <laughs> now you got yourself fired up. Okay. This is a new question. And it was a question that I'll ask only because it was suggested by a couple times by listeners, which was to ask you a question, which is, do you have a question for me about, do you want to know about me? Or is there uh, who, a question there? Who, who cut your hair? Who cut my hair? 
It comes from Cheech and Chong. <laughs> remember when Sergeant Sedanko so went totally in? I remember Cheech and Chong. There's a bunch of people listening to this. They're going, what the hell are those guys talking about right, right now? Right, right. Sergeant Sedanko goes into the classroom <laughs> to give the kids a, a lecture on drugs. And he yeah. says, are there any questions? Kid, yeah, are you in the uh, yellow shirt? Is it? Yeah. Who cut your hair? Who yeah, cuts yeah. your hair? <laughs> okay, well, Is, Lorraine yeah, no, no, cuts my hair. <laughs> That's funny. I'm just funning around with you. Sure, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you grateful for, Derek? You know, I, I think I am grateful for Canada. I came here when I was eight years old. And, you know, um, and, and there's so many of us that are immigrants, right? And so this is this blessed country welcomed people from all over the world, treated us fairly, right? And treated us well, gave us education. People hired us. They helped us. Uh, you know, I remember the first Christmas here. It was 1966. I was eight years old. It was Christmas Eve. My dad came home from work with this guy who gave us, he had seven kids. All their kids gave us their Christmas presents. They walked with a Christmas tree. And the people at Longo's, the grocery store, I love just mentioning this. They were a little corner store in Malton, Ontario. They put, and they were just the family, the original founders, sent us, you know, a hamper with a ham in it. And just, oh man, yeah, yeah, no grateful for Canada, full stop, one through 10 for me as an immigrant. You know, I think you make, uh, I'm grateful for Canada, but I've also realized that I'm more grateful. The older I've gotten, the more yeah. well-traveled or the more, you know, the smarter I've got, perhaps, uh, the more I've appreciated uh, Canada. And I am very grateful for Canada as well. Also, yeah. you know something, I'm grateful to uh, have you on the show and to reconnect with you because it's been a, a number of years since we've had the opportunity to have a conversation, Derek. So I appreciate that you came on the show, shared your wisdom, your insights. Look forward to uh, having more conversation with you in the future. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, pal. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.